Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Limitless edition of the Two Minute Drill podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are about to go through the week five slate of games in the NFL. I have with me today, Jake McClanahan and Matthew Shetler, Tyler Cordell. What a no-show, dude. But I'm your host, Michael Homan, and we are ready to get things going. Enough of this intro stuff. Let's just jump straight into the games. Well, you know, Mike, here before we jump in the game, I gotta just, I gotta just jump in. There's a reason why Tyler did not show up, and uh, it's because uh, he's he's not going to be able to handle the heat. Tyler and I laid it out on Jake last week when it comes to those bets that we made. Just let it be known on record, I'm here to take my water and uh, lose graciously. So two of them, uh, yes, yes. Both of you guys of got two of them. It's very interesting that Tyler's not here right now because I'm pretty sure he was the main instigator behind both of the water bets. So I'm really freaking excited about you guys, and I will be holding that accountable this weekend when you guys are in town. So it's going to yeah, be real fun. Exactly. You can just make sure you're fully, you make sure those cups for him are full, absolutely oh, full I will. to the brim, full to the brim, you know? And just to recall what the water bet was last week, I did have the Colts beating Miami in that one. I actually took the spread, but I did say money line on that one. And then I took the spread on the Cardinals beating the Rams and both of those happen. And I'm very, very excited. Jake got bullied into those picks and I did get bullied and, and he, so he came glad. out on top. <laughs> so yep. glad I took them. Hey, hey Mike, real quick. Uh, I, before we, we'll circle back to the game here real quick. Do you mind just for my own personal sake? Cause I, I was looking forward to this. What, do you know what the, uh, what the stats were last week for all of us? Like how we bet against the spread. I'm just kind of curious. I, I lost last week was not my best, but I'm just curious how everything played out. Just, just, just for a, maybe recover something from last week, maybe. So Tyler has another reason to not show up this week. <laughs> personally i showed up i had the same amount of correct answers as tyler we both got seven right jake and matt you both got nine so you guys came out on top on that one and then as far as our limitless bets went at the end of the episode we went three and three there and we will have some variation of that again at the end of this episode but now i think we've checked all our boxes i think we're ready to move on jake's feeling good Yes, sir. Yep. (laughs) Real good. No, 100%. Let's just jump straight into the games. We have the Jets going to the Falcons. Actually, just kidding. They're not going to the Falcons. They're going across the pond to England. And you're just going to wake up to the box score on this one. The line is the Falcons are favored by three. And the over-under is set at 46. Let's go ahead and throw this one over to Matt first. Matt, what do you think is going to happen in England when Jets take on the Falcons? I, I wish I was more excited for this game. It's just, you know, London games, it's hard for it's hard on the West Coast here to want to get up at 6.30 to watch the game in the first place, too. So looking at this one, and we have, we have two teams that have struggled for the most part this entire year. However, this, this game will be interesting to watch for a couple reasons. Both teams flashed offensively more than they have all year last week. So we had the Falcons. They did lose narrowly to Washington. However, they were able to put up 30 points in that game. And even more importantly, too, is we saw them start to target downfield again, which benefits, which is really going to be a plus for, you know, Matt Ryan. If you have him in any fantasy, you probably don't, but maybe like a two quarterback or a super flex league, something like that. Cordero Patterson was obviously the star of last week, getting what, 23% of the snaps and somehow like being the top fantasy running back as a, in, in a whole. So, and Calvin Ridley was getting a lot of deep shots too. And now on the Jets side, they've just been gashed by the run this entire year. And they've actually done a decent job of limiting the pass. So this game being a minus three for the Falcons, I think I'm still going to take the Falcons in this game because they look like they were starting to gel a little bit. 
Matt Ryan, every time he gets into a new system, it typically takes him a couple weeks, if not even half the year at times to really start to get into a groove there. So I think uh, I, I like Mike Davis this week. He's been getting good, consistent touches that just hasn't been very explosive. And I also, obviously, I like Cordero Patterson to kind of stay in the flames here and make the most of the, the amount of touches that he does get. I think the Falcons will actually be able to control the offensive tempo on the ground while taking a couple deep shots. Maybe we see Kyle Pitts get more involved, Calvin Ridley taking a couple deep shots. And I think that'll be enough to cover the spread, even though I do believe that the Jets are starting to round into form a little bit, with Jamison Crowder showing back up, and the team's starting to just get a little bit more chemistry there. So I'm looking forward to it. Jake, I don't know. What about you? This is this game's kind of up in the air. I'm curious your insight. Yeah, this game, I'm really glad I'm just going to wake up to the score, to be real honest. I was not excited. The only excitement that I have in this game is that I have Mike Davis, so I will be very happy to see him in the end zone this game, for sure. I do have the Falcons covering on this one. The over under 46, I'm thinking about taking the over, just because typically with going over to England, it's typically always a shootout. Very much a toss-up. You never know what you're going to get because the players are on different sleep schedules. Typically, they're up on the plane the entire night, so their whole rhythm is off. So I just don't see a lot of defense in this game. So I'm going to take the over on this one and Falcons. I do like Cordell Patterson to have another big game. They're just going to kind of stay in the flames with him. They're using him, him all over the place. So I'm kind of really excited to see how he does this game. And then for the Jets side, it's still, at this point, Corey Davis is the only one that you can play. It does look like Zach Wilson kind of figured out how to play football against the NFL team last week against the Titans. So Elijah Moore, he could come in off that concussion. It's a good game to just keep your eyes on the highlights and the stat line because you're probably not watching this game. But I am taking the Falcons spread on this one. It's a real quick. It's a good point on the over as well, too. Uh, I mean, the Jets have obviously they've been giving up points left and right, but the Falcons are actually giving up the most points in the league right now, giving up 30 per game. So if the Jets were going to keep up, I mean, Tennessee's defense is garbage. They were able to exploit that, even though it took till overtime. Who knows? Maybe maybe we actually got a little bit of some points scored here. Uh, unfortunately, there's just not a lot of exciting fantasy options that you have a lot invested into this game which is exactly why I'm going to do the opposite picks of Jake and I'm going to take the under and I'm going to take the Jets plus three. I really don't see that many good fantasy options. So I really can't say that I'm going to see a lot of points scored. Granted, you know, it doesn't mean that only, you know, those two stars are going to be doing all of the point scoring. That's not really how the NFL works as much as fantasy owners would like it to so that our stars actually produce on our teams. But I do think that the Jets are still undervalued, especially considering the Falcons haven't done anything to show that they should be a favorite. And they're in England. It's not like that is a real home field advantage by any way. So that default old school way of thinking of giving the home team minus three doesn't apply here at all. So I really see these two teams as equal, both in the basement, but equal. Because I just expect this to be not that great of a football game. I'm just also not expecting that many points to be scored. I think that's why I leaned to take the under there. And ultimately, I just kind of ditto everything that you guys said when it came to the fantasy options. I would just say, you know, I saw a couple, I was reading through a couple articles here lately of just like players that you can try to buy low on uh, or just people to watch out for. I would keep an eye out on Jamison Crowder on the Jets side. He stepped right into, you know, that dude, he just, especially in a full PPR league, he just gets catches. I think he had seven catches on nine targets already last week. This is where they're up against a terrible defense again. If he really, if, if he starts to step in, he could end up having some sneaky value as like a lower end flex type play. So I like that. 
on for Pat or on Cordero Patterson's side, I'd look to sell high if you can right now. Maybe package trade him for somebody else, a better, more consistent player that's going to get consistent snaps. And also in my other leagues, in our in our main league of record, I do have Calvin Ridley. He's been very consistent, getting over ten targets a game. Now that they started to take some deep shots, I'm curious to watch and see how that plays out here because I think he could be a really good buy low candidate where he could really take off the rest of the year since he's getting the targets, but we just need to see a little bit more explosion. So I think this will be a great game to yeah, just watch the highlights, but try to scout out and get an idea of what's going on with some of these players because there could be some value to be had. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next game. This one, we have the Saints traveling to visit the Washington football team and the Saints are away and favored by two. The over-under is set at 44. On this one, I'm going to kick it over to Jake first. Jake, what do you think is going to happen when the Saints travel to the football team? Yeah, so with this game, I'm actually going to take the home dog on this one. I'm going to take Washington plus two. The Saints have just been so inconsistent. You don't really know what they're going to be on a week-to-week basis. Jameis is still the same old Jameis that we know, just very gunslinger-prone quarterback where it's either bites him in the butt or he looks like an awesome, the number two quarterback off the board that he was or number one quarterback off the board that he was when he got drafted. But I, I like Washington in this game. I think their defense is kind of starting to figure it out. Saints have a really good pass rushing defense, but against the Giants, you just didn't see it much. They actually gave up. I mean, you saw the resurgence of Saquon. I don't think that was necessarily the Saints fault. I think that is more Saquon just coming back to form. But you definitely saw the holes in that defense that he exploited. He did have a big game out of the backfield. Granted, one of them was for a 50 yarder. But I like Washington in this game a lot. I just I think they're going to cover. It's possibly a money line play for me. I haven't decided yet, but definitely possible money line play for me. I like if you're looking for fantasy options as far as a flex play, I think J.D. McKissick is going to be great out of the backfield this game. The Saints have a really good run-stopping defense, so I think that's going to take Antonio, not necessarily out of the game, but it's going to limit his opportunities and how they're going to move the ball with a running back. So I like J.D. a lot in this game. On the Saints side, Kamara is the only one that I trust. Again, that that team is just so inconsistent. Jameis does throw the ball pretty much to all of his receivers, so there's not one that you can trust or rely on. Very excited to see what happens when Michael Thomas gets back. I think that changes that entire offense. But right now, Kamara is the only one that you could trust. Yeah, before I jump in and actually kind of share my like thoughts on the game, I'm curious from from, from both of your guys' end, what's your, what's your rest of season projection for Alvin Kamara? Because he's been getting, what's crazy is, you know, we've, we've gotten so used to him over the last several years of just being this like hybrid back where, you know, he's getting maybe 14, 15 carries, but then he's grabbing, you know, six receptions out of the backfield and, you know, being the most efficient pass, pass catcher in the NFL, essentially from a running back standpoint, but he's not really getting the passing work, but now he's getting like 20 some carries. So it's oh he's almost become more of a traditional power back. At least that's how it seems like they're using him. And now heading into the back half of last game, they started to mix Tyson Hill back in a lot more because of the offense was kind of stalling there. So I'm just curious, what do you guys think about Kamara rest of season? So target wise, he went six, four, six, and zero to back up what you're saying there. So last week he got zero targets, which is definitely concerning considering he was always the go-to dump off play for. Drew Brees. We don't have Drew Brees anymore. We have Jameis Winston. So it's a different system and you can tell. The other thing is they really don't have any other options that are a true threat. So these teams are able to kind of stack the box against Alvin Kamara if he's going to be used as that power back role. So 
he's kind of in a catch 22. He's stuck between a rock and a hard place. And it doesn't really seem like the Saints are game planning to utilize him in that way. I would say rest of season, I still expect him to finish as a fantasy running back one because of the fact that later in the season, we will be getting Michael Thomas back. And I think that's going to open up Alvin Kamara even more so that he can revert to that old game script that he's accustomed to. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as him. I think that entire offense changes as soon as Michael Thomas gets back. Right now, they're just scheming basically for Kamara because the Saints don't really have that many weapons besides him right now. Michael Thomas is a big weapon and a huge deal to that offense. So I I think it all changes once he comes. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I was curious. That was a big something I've been thinking about since I started watching it. But yeah, for as for this game itself, I'm taking Washington. I would take them on the spread and I'd also take them money line. Taylor Heineke has been performing. He has been balling out. Now, part of that is because he's actually surprisingly mobile. He's been moving quite a bit. I think he had about over 40 rushing yards last week. He had a couple plays where he was just able to extend the play just enough, keep the chains moving. Now, as Curtis Samuel starts to get incorporated back into the offense on the Washington side, I think that's going to help open up their offense even a little bit more. Because right now, their offense is essentially run Antonio Gibson, get four yards because their offensive line is banged up a little bit. Uh, I believe they're um, uh, all pro. I don't actually, I take it back. I'm not sure if he's ever been all pro, but pro bowler for Brandon Scherf. He's out for a couple of weeks, which kind of messes up some of that interior run game that they've been trying to do. So Jake, I love that you were picking JD McKissick and something that we need to watch for here as for this week, this, which could affect the spread a little bit. And even some of my excitement towards Washington for this game is Antonio Gibson looked like he took a pretty solid hit to the ribs at the very end of last week. So since we're recording this here on Wednesday, it's a little bit too early to know based on practice reports, how that's all going to play out throughout the week. But watch for J.D. McKissick. He went off last week again. I mean, he's an excellent pass catcher, and he's explosive afterwards. So watch for him as a sneaky play. Obviously, at this point, you're starting Terry McLaren. He went off last week. I know there could be some concern about being shadowed by by, uh, Marshawn Lattimore. However, if you're watching Washington, they've been mixing him up quite a bit, setting him off the line with another receiver in front so he gets a free release, putting him into the slot. I think they know that he is their offense and they're going to find ways to continue to scheme him open. He's already getting 40% of Heineke's passes thrown his way as it is right now. So they're going to incorporate that in. And I think, I just think they've been able to score enough points where it's going to be enough where I just don't trust the saints. I I don't trust them. They don't have an identity. Their defense is a little bit banged up, still hasn't shown up. And Daniel Jones just torched them last week alone. So you've got that as an issue. Kamara isn't even being schemed open. Personally, if I was the coach of the Saints right now, I would be swapping Jameis for Taysom Hill, and I'd be going right back to that power run RPO game that they were working last year when Breeze was out for a lot of success until at least Michael Thomas is back because I feel like Jameis is a little bit handicapped by some of his weapons. And because of that, I'm very, very confident in taking Washington in this game. I also am confident in taking Washington despite all of the injuries because you know, to, to go over some of the injuries, I'm pretty sure Logan Thomas just got put on IR. Curtis Samuel, I think he's activated from IR, but he hasn't returned to practice yet. J.D. McKissick has an, a little ankle issue. Antonio Gibson, his shin, I, I don't even think he practiced today because of his shin. With all of that being said, I still would take the Washington football team over the Saints. I agree with you guys. They are just so much of a roller coaster team that I don't know what team is going to show up. And they just lost to the Giants. And I think the Washington football team is still better than the Giants at this point. So that's why I'm leaning towards Washington. As far as an over-under goes, I would go ahead and take the over kind of reluctantly. It's low, it's 44. 
So I think that the Saints are able to put up points. I think that the football team is able to put up points. Both teams are saying that they are good at defense, but don't really show it. So until that changes, I'm going to go ahead and think that the line is set low based off of expectation versus reality, and I'm going to bet the over. Quick question. So in theory, as far as fantasy goes, in theory, Washington's the worst team against the quarterback. If you're looking for a flex play, would you throw a dart at Jameis? Just, I'm just asking on pure, like pure, if, like deeper leagues, if you need a streaming quarterback. In theory, it's a good matchup. I personally would avoid it because Taysom Hill comes in and snipes plays. I also would avoid it because I think that there are just so many other better options. Unless you're in a two quarterback league or something like that, then of course I would throw him in. But if you're not in a two quarterback league, I think that there's just so many other options besides Jameis Winston to start ahead of him. Yeah. Like Taylor Heineke on the opposite side, who's been top 10 the last three weeks. I I would stay away from Jameis. I've at least seen enough from like Heineke. There's waivers where Darnold's still available, Derek Hart. Like there's a lot of people that are still open right now. All right. Let's go ahead and push forward, guys. Let's look at the Patriots traveling to Houston to take on the Texans. I see the Patriots favored by eight and a half. The over under is 39 and a half. This is definitely an interesting game. I do think that the Texans are being undervalued here, which is why I'm going to take them and the points. I think that the Texans. Let me say this. They've won against the spread twice. Granted, both of those times, it was Tyrod Taylor who was the quarterback. So that gives me some pause in taking the Texans. But I believe the Patriots have only won against the spread twice as well. I think that they overperformed against the Bucs, and I think that they are being overvalued here because of it. Some injuries to note in this game. I do believe that two guys on the O-line from the Patriots are put on the IR for COVID. On the Texans side, Not too much to note, but I think there was going to be a revenge game. Just remembering that Rex Burkhead was on that team, but he's going to be out. So he has a hip injury. He's he's going to probably be sitting on Sunday. And as far as the over-under goes, I would personally take the under here. It is so low at 39 and a half, but I'm still going to take the under. The Patriots have not had a game where they hit the over yet. So I'm just going to keep riding that wave. And then... As far as fantasy is concerned, Brandon Cooks is really the only guy you can throw in on the Texans as far as the Patriots are concerned. Damian Harris is still an interesting play. That's who I would still have to rely on as either an RB2 or a flex if you were the guy who picked him up. And, you know, there are definitely some receiving options that I'll leave on the table for you guys to talk about. So, Matt, I'm curious, what do you think about this game? I don't like this game. I think it's really boring. I think it's the lowest slate on the this week, along with uh, I think it, it was t- I saw it tied earlier with the Broncos Steelers, which also sounds like another disgusting game from a point scored standpoint. When it comes for this game specifically, I'm going to take the Patriots to cover the spread. And the reason why is just Davis Mills has put up nine points total in two weeks. And the he was able to put up nine points up against the Panthers and absolutely nothing against Buffalo last week. The reason why I'm going to take it is what I've shown is Mac Jones, if anything, has been efficient. And the Texans are giving up over 150 rushing yards per game. I see this as a game that actually fits exactly to the Patriots' strengths, which is going to be running the ball, getting a couple chunk plays, making short, efficient passes to, you know, Jacoby Myers, maybe try to involve the tight ends. You got Brandon Bolden out there now as a homeless man's James White. So they've got a couple different things. That they've got going for them, which is just enough 
that I think it's going to be able to push them over the edge. Whereas on the Texans side, they only have Brandon Cooks. And as we saw too, the Patriots secondary is pretty nasty still. You got JC Jones. You got a couple people on that secondary that I think they'll be able to match up against Cooks, limit him, which is really just going to allow the front seven to tee off against Davis Mills and keep them from scoring more than 10 total. Yeah, I'm not excited about this game. I kind of want to stay away from it. If I had to make a pick, I'd probably take the Patriots. I just don't like that spread, that line of eight and a half. It's it's a lot, but I just don't trust Houston to score any points. So I'm not a huge fan of this game. I'll probably take the Patriots on this one. The one bet that I am kind of comfortable with taking on this one is the under. I know Mac is very efficient and really kind of finding his stride in that offense, but they just don't score a lot of points and neither does Houston. Bill always schemes a great defensive scheme for a rookie quarterback. Davis Mills hasn't even really shown that he can be a true quarterback in this league. So I just think I like the under in this game. That's kind of the only thing that I really like. I'll probably end up taking the Patriots on a teaser just to kind of lower that line a little bit. But other than that, under is the only thing I really like. Jacoby Meyer, I do like him in this game, though, as far as fantasy goes. In the last two games alone, he's had 14 targets and 12 targets. That's just a lot, and especially in that Patriots offense where they're just going to move the ball, not necessarily take high-risk plays, but just kind of move it through the air five, eight yards at a time for a PPR standard, even half-point half PPR. There's a lot of value in those targets. So I like him on that side. As far as the Texans go, Cooks is the only one that you could play. Not much to this game that I like. Yeah, the last little thing that I'll throw in, obviously I'm the only guy who took the Texans on this one. I'm not saying that it's a sexy pick. I'm saying that it's an ugly home dog. That's the only, it's the number really that I'm betting here. Yep. I guess I'm just dumb. All right, let's move on. (laughs) To the Buccaneers, they are taking on the Dolphins. The Buccaneers are the home team. They are favored by 10. The over-under is 48. And on this one, I'm going to throw it to Jake first. Jake, what do you think is going to happen? with the Dolphins facing the Bucks, So Buccaneers at home, I'm leaning on taking, again, that line of 10. I just don't like the big lines. That is a key number, 10, as far as football standards go. So I don't really like the big number. I'm still probably getting up taking the Bucks on this one, though. I just don't see the Dolphins having any weapons to score enough to cover that. The Bucs just have so many weapons. I know last week I was all in on the Bucks, dominating the Patriots. I think we all were for that mu- for that matter. I just think they have a much better game this week. The Patriots defense, Bill has gone against Tom for so long that he just knows his tendencies, knows how he works. Dolphins, I just don't, I just don't see it in this game. So I'm going to take Bucks. I kind of like the under in this game too at 48. Right now, we're just not seeing a ton of points scored by the Bucks. At least I'm just this is recency bias. We didn't see a ton in that last one. I don't think the Dolphins have enough gas in their uh tank to score in this game as well. So I like the under in this one. As far as key injuries, Gronk is looking to try and make his comeback this week. So if he comes back, my lines might change a little bit. I might take the over if he's back. But other than that, it's kind of where I'm at with this game. Matt, what are you thinking in this one? Pretty much the exact opposite of you in this one, actually. And the reason why, like, I would take the over in this game. And part of that is because the Bucs haven't been able to stop anyone. They're giving up the most passing yards per game out of anyone in the entire league. Their top three corners are all out right now. Now, on the Dolphins side, Will Fuller just got put on IR, so he will not be there. 
However, I think from on the Dolphins side, I actually think there's going to be some good fantasy relevance from a few of their passing game weapons. Mike Kosicki has been on a roll the last couple of weeks. He's averaging 60 yards a game, five catches. He just scored his first touchdown of the season last year. And the Bucs are giving up the seventh most points to the tight end position at this moment. Now, from a wide receiver standpoint, I also expect pretty solid games from Devontae Parker and Jalen Waddell. Up until last week, Jalen Waddle was averaging almost 10 targets a game. Now, a lot of it is short stuff. However, I don't trust any corner on the Bucs whatsoever. I know the Dolphins won't be able to run, so they're going to be forced to pass, which as bad as the Dolphins offensive line is, will probably cause a little bit of chaos. I see sacks, a, little, a couple turnovers probably on their side. However, I think this will end up being a messy game on the Dolphins side, but they'll put up enough points just to kind of stay within striking distance of the spread. However, Byron Jones, one of their top corners, is out on the Dolphins side this week. And I think personally, I think Antonio Brown feasts this week. I think they'll put Xavier Howard on Mike Evans, try to limit him. And I think the, uh, I think the Buccaneers will be able to pivot, run against one of the worst rushing defenses in the league. I think Leonard Fournette feasts, Chris Godwin feasts, and also Antonio Brown all have excellent games. And Brady reminds the AFC East former, can I even call him a rival, who he is. So does this change, this stat line change anything for you as far as the over-under? Jacoby Brissett has yet to have a game with over 200 passing yards. And if you're looking at having the Dolphins to have a good passing game, I have yet to see it. I don't trust it. I, I just, does that, does that stat change anything for you? No, because 200 passing yards equals 260 against the Bucks. That's how bad they are right now with all of their weapons out. At least that's how I project it. So I still don't think it's going to be very efficient. This could end up being garbage time type of passing and things like that. But from a fantasy standpoint there, I don't care. I just need the guys to catch the ball and do some things. I just think the Bucs are going to be able to control this game, score at will, because the Dolphins are so bad at stopping the run. This will be one of those games that Brady can just punch it down the throat with, you know, Fournette, maybe rotate in Ronald Jones, and then just hit people on some deep play action shots. Yeah, I am pretty much on the side of Matt on this one. I also took the over and I also took the Dolphins minus 10. It is that key number. It's not a sexy pick again. But the reason why I took the over is because I can see no reason why the Bucs can't get, let's say, four touchdowns against the Dolphins. And with how bad the Bucs are in their secondary, I don't see that many reasons why the Dolphins can't get three. So that alone puts it over. So, and that's not factoring in field goals, anything along those lines. So between those two scenarios, I just see this game going over. As far as the game itself, I do think that the Dolphins, because of that, if it, the game ended up just like I said, 28-21, Dolphins are covering in that scenario. So I think that I have to pick the Dolphins side on this one. I really don't want to. I don't think that the Dolphins are very good. But that's kind of been my theme this week. It, I, when I was making my picks, like, gosh, I'm taking a lot of unsexy picks, a lot of teams that are you know really looking bad but at the same time I think the reason why has to do with a little bit of that Titans Jets game it jaded me I lost on that one I wasn't happy about it we all took the Titans in that game and we all didn't get that right and then on the opposite side when everyone likes the underdog Lions they let us down so now I'm taking the unsexy games I'm taking the unsexy picks. I'm taking the bad teams who are getting a lot of points, and I'm not picking that many teams that are, you know, slight underdogs that everyone is on, that the whole public is on. I'm baiting those picks. So that's kind of really my whole interpretation of why I'm making these picks. 
you guys did a great job in terms of just actually covering the game itself and the fantasy options. Let's just say you guys touched on Antonio Brown. Do you think that he's going to jump back up into, he was honestly one of the, you know, most go-to guys for Tom, even in the Patriots game where he was getting overthrown and, you know, missing a lot of passes, but Godwin Evans, they seem to be a little bit more quiet when everything else is going on on that offense. Do you, who do you think out of those three are going to be the number one option? This week, every week, it's always typically Mike Evans is the one. I think Xavier Howard is going to be following Mike Evans everywhere. At least most of the game, he will be. I kind of like AB this week to be the number one, but I, I just don't have too much confidence in that receiving core just because they're all so good and Tom could go wherever the heck he wants with it. I got AB. AB is the person I'm probably most confident in. And part of that too is just how I'm projecting the game script is with what we've noticed from Antonio Brown so far this year is Brady's enjoying taking deeper shots to him. Now he missed two uh, heading into the end zone at the end of the game against the Patriots last Sunday. However, he was taking those shots. And part of that is Antonio Brown's getting some good separation on a lot of those. So if the Dolphins are going to have to come down and be forced to try to stack the box in any way, since they just can't stop the run, I think that's going to open up some deeper shots down the field to Antonio Brown. So I think he's going to have a deep touchdown. And I think Godwin is just going to feast inside the middle of the field on a lot of those uh, routes where, you know, classic Bruce Arian slot receiver role. We saw it for years with Larry Fitzgerald step in off the line almost come as an in blocker on the inside against the line and then just take off for an intermediate route and take that 20 yards. I'm very, very confident in Godwin and Antonio Brown this week. And on the other side of the ball is Miles Gaskin just dead. Well, against the Bucks, all of all the running backs are going to be dead. So this isn't a good week for him. I mean, he was, I think he was out. He, I think Salvan Ahmed had more carries last week than him. Malcolm Brown had the most with eight. Uh, Ahmed had three and Gaskin had two. So I don't trust anything there, especially against the one team in the league, really, especially the, the Bucks and the Panthers. You cannot run on them. Well, unless you're the Cowboys, of course. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Gaskin. All right, let's go ahead and move on, guys. Let's look at the Jaguars-Titans game. Another game that's not that appealing, but should be more high scoring in comparison to the other games that we've talked about that fit that description. The Titans are going to the Jags. They're favored by four. The over-under is 48 and a half. And on this one, I'm going to throw it to Matt. Matt, what do you think is going to happen when the Titans go to the Jags? This is one I, I don't, I, I can't, I can't act, accurately project at this moment because a lot of it's going to depend if Julio Jones or AJ Brown play this week. If though, if the both of those guys are back on the field, I'm happy to take the Titans. If one of them are on the field, so you know what? If they're not both back, I think I'm going to take the Jags here. I know the Jags have had a little bit of controversy going on here with a little bit of grinding pump bump from their head coach here that uh, got him into a little bit of trouble. However, I was impressed with the Jags last Thursday night against the Bengals. Trevor Lawrence showed up. He played a very efficient game. I think especially now, granted, we got DJ Chark out for the year now after fracturing his ankle, which is a tragedy there. Now, what I expect is good games from Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chenault. And on top of that too, James Robinson, I think should also have a good game. The Titans defense is just terrible. The Jets looked like a NFL offense against them. And I have more faith in Trevor Lawrence and the scheming that the Jags can do, especially because the Jags, we have to remember, they get an extra three days rest since they played last Thursday night. So they've had extra time to prepare, extra time to rest and get going. So I actually, I would take the Jags to cover this. I would take them to cover the spread. I don't want to get into money line. So I actually disagree with you a lot in this game. They haven't had a lot of time to prepare. 
Urban Meyer has been out of town those entire three days. He was not with the team. He was at his little whiskey house there having some fun. And then when he did get back, he actually canceled all of his meetings until today with the team. He did have little private meetings with some position players and stuff like that. But it didn't seem like they were actually going through their walkthroughs, their practice, their films or anything. It looked like Urban Meyer was just kind of dealing with the whole little tornado over there that he caused. So I like the Titans a lot in this game. I don't care if A.J. Brown and Julio are back or not. It makes it more interesting if they're not there. I just think there's too much distraction going on in that office, in that team, in that locker room. It really depends on if the Jaguars can just buy into themselves at this point and just want to go win for themselves. I don't like Urban Meyer as a coach. I just don't think he's that great of a schemer for the NFL. He hasn't really shown much as far as scheme-wise goes to prove that he is a really good NFL coach. Mike Vabral, I'm just going to go based off with the injuries right now because we don't know Julio and A.J. Brown. Obviously, if they're in, I'm going to take take Titans all the way. No question about it. I just think Vrabel learned his lesson last week and is just going to feed Derrick Henry and just let him eat completely. So I, I just trust Vrabel way more than I have than I do Urban Meyer. And with all the reports coming out with him and that whole situation that he's got going on, it just doesn't seem like he's been with the team a lot until today, which today's we're recording on a Wednesday. This was like his first main team meeting that he's had with the team for everything. Grind on three, ready? One, two, three, grind. Now that's actually, so I, I got to bring this up here because so Derek Henry ate last week. He had 33 carries. Derek Henry's on pace for 480 carries this year. That is terrifying. So what I mean about eating, it seemed like in that second half, they kind of went away from him and went more towards a passing scheme. You just got to let Derrick Henry go all game long. I mean, especially with AJ and Julio out, you just got to let him go. It just looked like they went away from him in the second half. He got most of his carries in the first. So that's, that's my only thing is I think they rely on him more throughout the game and not scheme him out of it. And he's still at 33, but Derrick Henry. I'm scared. It's more. I'm scared of Derrick Henry right now. I think they're going to, I think he's going to get injured or they're going to absolutely bust him this year. I know he's a freak, but I'm sorry, 480 carries in the NFL. I know you're a monster dude, but that's how you human doesn't matter. I'm sorry that there is, I'm very concerned with the way the Titans are using him. And that's why I really hope AJ Brown and Julio can come back to open up that workload a little bit. I don't know. Mike, what do you think here? Dude, is your refrigerator running? Yeah. It's Derrick Henry. That guy is a beast, dude. He had 157 yards last week, and Jake is saying he should still eat. <laughs> it's yes, ridiculous. Have more. To, to Jake's point, you know, Ryan Tannehill did throw 49 times during that game. So there was a slight balance, and it did go into the passing game's favor when they don't have their best two passing options. They're both best two receiving options out. Those two guys, A.J. Brown, he had a limited practice today. Julio Jones did not practice today maybe is kind of expected just because he's more of the veteran. But I do tend to lean with Matt's take on this game. I do tend to stick with my theme. I'm taking some underdogs this week. Jags plus four, I'll take it. And in terms of the over-under, I'm going to take the under. I don't necessarily think that this is a high-flying game despite what the over-under is trying to bill it as. That's 48 and a half. I don't see how that hits on this game in particular. and. Other than that, yeah, Derrick Henry, he's the guy that you got to start when it comes to the Titans. I would 
I've been trying to trade for him in our league unsuccessfully. I can't get him away from that owner. And in terms of the Jags, you know, LaVisca Chenault, that's who I'm really thinking is going to have a big step up now that DJ Chark is not going to be with the team for the rest of the year. I was really impressed with the Jags offense against the Bengals in Thursday night football. I think that they did take a big step up. Yeah, obviously, everyone has seen the news who is in football circles that Urban Meyer has just been a complete tire fire in terms of a distraction for this team. But ultimately, I think that even though Trevor Lawrence is a rookie, I think he's a professional and I think he'll be able to handle it and step it up and keep it close if A.J. Brown and Julio Jones aren't on the field. And even if only one of them are, I think that they can still keep it within four points. So that's why I'm leaning Jags there. With that being said, let's go ahead and move on. Let's see if our theme continues where Jake only agrees with me on one game. We have the Vikings and the Lions. And in this one, the Vikings are the home team and they are favored by eight and a half. This is the game that was pretty interesting and the line kept moving. It moved by a point and a half. So I updated all of our lines before we hit record here. The over under in this game is also pretty high. It's at 49 and a half. I'll go ahead and kick this one off here. The Lions have been underdogs in every game so far and have only been able to cover once. So it gives me a little bit of pause in sticking with my theme. But because the line keeps moving more and more in Detroit's favor, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take Detroit plus eight and a half. I don't know why I'm signing myself up for this mess. If you know a guy on the Lions outside of Jared Goff, they're probably Hurts. Penesul, Hawkinson, both didn't practice. William Swift, both limited. But, you know, I expect most of those guys to still play. I also am looking at the Viking side. If you're going to use that logic, Dalvin Cook didn't practice either. And then they had a pair of corners get placed on IR for COVID. So that gives them some stuff to worry about on their end. And ultimately, the Vikings are only two and two against the spread themselves. They've been that up and down team with a lot of unlucky bounces. Granted, so have the Lions. If I'm looking at this game, I still really like, I shouldn't say still really like, but I still really like TJ Hawkinson, even though he's hurt. He's had two quiet games back-to-back weeks, and I think that he has to have one of those breakout weeks. I just think he's too good of a tight end to keep quiet too long for fantasy purposes. And then as far as the Vikings go, You know, I'm interested to keep my eye on Dalvin Cook's injury. I do think he's trending towards playing, even though he didn't practice today. Receiving-wise, I do kind of just expect, I have a feeling that Adam Thielen is going to come away with more fantasy points than, say, the other receiving options like Justin Jefferson or Conklin or any of those guys. And as far as the over-under goes, if I didn't mention that already, I am going to take the under at 49.5. Matt, tell me what you think on this one. Well, I hope you're wrong about Adam Thielen because I'm playing against him. And in, in our league of record here, it, it seems to be a common trend for me to just get absolutely destroyed. Lately. Ooh, it felt so good, dude. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. But apparently the Seahawks don't know how to cover a wide open Debo Samuel, but you know, okay, it's all right. I, I got most of my tilt out on Sunday. I've, I've been spending the last couple of days trying to heal. A lot you, of didn't even ha- you didn't even have to worry about the Chargers game. You could just enjoy it as a fan. Yeah, so like I said, a lot of self-care. Long baths, Epsom salt, candles, you know, that kind of shit. Anyways, moving on to this game, I, I do, I'm going to take the Vikings to cover. And for a couple of reasons here, most importantly is the, the strength of the Lions has been their offensive line, which has allowed them to open up the run game, even though they don't have a lot of weapons. So their backs have been able to consistently get some good yards per carry going, even though that the you know, teams are able to kind of stack the box. 
I know you mentioned uh, Panay Sewell. He's a little bit banged up. But even more importantly is it's uh, Frank Ragnow. And they're, they're center. I mean, he's one of the best centers in the entire game. Just got a massive extension this offseason. They just placed him on IR. Last I checked, I don't think Taylor Decker is coming back this week. I believe it maybe this week, or if not this week, it would be next week. So that'd be something to monitor because I don't remember exactly week what they, they put him on IR. But that's like three Pro Bowl level players that could be out at least two and potentially a third if Sewell can't play. And the Vikings defense has consistently gotten better each and every week leading up to this point. And especially they just they play better at home. I mean, they harassed Baker last week nonstop. Now, part of it is Baker is really good at harassing himself and just not being able to perform at times. However, they limited him to 150 yards. And on top of that, the only reason the Browns were able to really control and stay in that game is a combination of that one-two punch of Chubb and Hunt. And as much as I love DeAndre Swift uh, and Jamal Williams has actually been semi-impressive, they're nothing compared to Chubb and Hunt. So I believe the Lions are going to have a lot of three and outs which is really just going to allow the Vikings to control the clock, take some shots. I actually, I love, I think Justin Jefferson's going to eat this game. Thielen will also have a good game too. I'm just hoping maybe one touchdown rather than the two or three that look very possible. And if I was the Vikings too, just hold Dalvin Cook out. You don't need him this week. Let Make sure he's actually healthy. He was in and out last week. You're going to need him if you're going to make any type of push. And the one week he was out, Madison played fine. You don't need him this week against the Lions not even to cover eight and a half. So for fantasy purposes, I really hope he does just because I hate that split backfield. It's annoying me. Yeah, I get selfishly. I, mean, I got Dalvin in my in a dynasty league and I made a couple trades to make sure I got him. And it hasn't he hasn't been that carrying force that I was hoping for just yet. So I don't know. On the Lions side, I do think Hawkinson will be able to have a pretty good game. He's openly come out and talked about how they're trying to kind of double bracketing him when he comes out and tries to run his routes. I think they'll try to game plan some ways to scheme him open, maybe split him out wide a little bit more. So he's got a little bit more one-on-one to work with. I do think Swift will have a little bit of a bounce back game in this, mostly because they're just going to be down so quick that they can play into his specialty, which is really just the receiving role. But I don't think it's going to be enough to keep up. And I'd probably take the under and I would take the Vikings to cover the spread though. And just to pile on to what Matt said, Taylor Decker, the offensive tackle on IR, highly unlikely to return from IR for Sunday's game. Okay, good to know. Yeah, so I don't really like this line, how much it moved. With them starting at seven, I'd be a lot more comfortable. Eight and a half. I don't know. It's past that key number for me. I don't know if I can trust the Lions again. They really they really hurt me last week. I had them in pretty much all of my parlays, and they screwed me. So this game's really hard for me. This one's really tough. I just don't like this game, especially with that eight and a half number. I'm leaning the Vikings. I'll probably end up taking Vikings as far as just putting something on the books. I'll take the Vikings. But the only real confident play that I have in this game is the under. I just don't think the Lions can score on the Vikings. I just don't think the Lions can really score in general. It's going to be really tough for them all year long. And then, yeah, it's just, I I think Justin Jefferson does have a really good game. This game, I said it last week. I'll say it again. He is just such an amazing talent. Not saying Adam Thielen isn't, but Justin Jefferson is just so good. And so I think he has a really, really good game this week. As far as the Lions go, Vikings aren't really that great at stopping the run. 
They're on the bottom half of the league for doing that. So I think Swift has a bounce back game. Like you said, Matt, they've been kind of shadowing TJ, putting that safety, extra linebacker, just kind of shadowing him slash double covering him every time. So I think they're going to have to rely on Swift. Jamal Williams might actually have a decent game as well, too. He's kind of been becoming a little carry goblin for DeAndre Swift, which I know me and Matt have a real hard time with because we both have Swift in two different leagues. So it's not fun watching Jamal Williams come in and taking DeAndre Swift out. But I'll take the Vikings on this one. I'm not excited. I'm not banking on this one. The only confidence that I really have in this game is the under. So let's go ahead and move on, guys. We have the Packers traveling to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals, and the Packers are favored by three. The over-under is pretty high at 51 and a half. And on this one, I will go ahead and kick us off. And personally, I think that I have to still trust in the Packers. They have covered three times. The one time that they did not was, of course, their dud week one. So you know, take it with a grain of salt. It happened. It's in the range of outcomes, but I don't necessarily count on that happening again at all. So Aaron Jones was limited. Jair Alexander is the way more noticeable one though. He's expected to miss Sunday and they don't know if he's going to need surgery on that shoulder or not. So that's definitely something to look out for and something for Joe Burrow to exploit in terms of the Cincinnati side. They've covered on the spread twice so far this season. So Hard to make heads or tails of that. T. Higgins was limited. Joe Mixon did not practice. So kind of looks like we're heading towards seeing some backups in that one as far as the running back room goes. And then in general, I just have a lot more faith in the Packers than I do in the Bengals. I do think that the Bengals are a good team. I think that they're a top seven team probably in the AFC. But in the NFC, I don't think that they can hang with the Packers here. I also don't have a ton of faith in this over-under. So I'm going to lean towards the under. Granted, both of these offenses are pretty good, and I don't necessarily think that highly of the defenses, but 51 and a half is just a big enough number for me to tilt towards the under. Fantasy-wise, I think that I would definitely look at Jamar Chase for the Cincinnati Bengals, and I would definitely look at Aaron Jones for the Packers. Even though he is limited, I don't think he's going to look limited against the Bengals. I think that there's no way that they are going to do anything to stop that guy. And I think he's just going to have his way with him. Both Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones, I think are going to have equally good games. And I think that the Cincinnati Bengals aren't going to be able to keep it close. Yeah. So in this game, to me, what it comes down to just with all the injuries that's going on, it comes down to the quarterbacks and who I trust more. And I just significantly trust Aaron Rodgers more to beat the Bengals than I do Joe Burrow to beat the Packers. So I'm going to take the Packers on this one. I'm going to take them to cover. As far as the over-under, with how many injuries there are on the Packers' defense, and it's not like there's a ton, but it's key guys, and their secondary just doesn't look great at all. I'm going to take the over. Joe Burrow has shown that he can move the ball, score touchdowns. Jamar Chase can catch the ball and catch touchdowns. And then obviously it's the Packers offense. They have Aaron Jones. They got Devontae Adams. They got even now Randall Cobb is they're starting to scheme for him. They got some breakout players like Lazar for down the field. So yeah, I just, I like the Packers in this one. I think not necessarily they're going to have their way with the Bengals. Cause I just, I think the Bengals are going to be able to score. I just think, I just trust Aaron Rodgers more to, to cover the, the three that we have on this game. Yeah. I, I don't mind the over here because I do think the Packers are banged up enough. Uh, missing Jarrah Alexander, that's a big deal. They also just lost, uh, I believe, Zedarius Smith also went out for the potentially the year. He's having a back surgery, and that's never a good sign for a defensive end. So I think the Packers' defense is a little bit banged up here. 
And, you know, the Bengals defense, their secondary has actually been surprisingly stingier than I think we were expecting. But you got Jesse Bates back there. He's an absolute stud. So they've got a couple pieces, but it's the Packers. And really outside of that week one debacle that they had, they've shown up and they've been very consistent since then. So you're going to give me Aaron Rodgers and you're going to give me three points on that. I'm going to take it. However, I do. I've been impressed with Joe Burrow as of late. Uh, I've been impressed with their offensive line enough as of late on the Bengals side, which is not something I would have said. But Jonah Williams has done a great job so far for them. And the offensive line as a whole has played up a lot better. They've been able to scheme some quicker passes. It just, if you take Joe Mixon out, he's been a consistent player for that team to help them establish the run so that Burrow's able to take those deep shots to Jamar Chase, kind of keep the offense moving here. So I'll, I'll take the over, uh, but I will take the Packers to cover as well. So question for you guys real quick. Are you staying in the flames with CJ Uzama on this one? No. He had one week last week and didn't do anything beforehand there. It looks like the Bengals are also going to get T Higgins back this week as well, which is going to open up more pass catching for them. So if he does it again, I think, I think I'd just be looking at NBA jam rules when it comes to Uzama and see about what he, how he's going to do. Let's, let's have him do it two weeks in a row. So he's heating up. All right, moving on. We are going to look at the Broncos traveling to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. It looks like the Steelers are home favorites by one. The over-under is quite low at 39 and a half. And on this one, I'm going to throw it to Jake first. So this game's really interesting to me as well, mainly because of all the injuries that are going on with both of the teams. It looks like Juju is questionable with ribs. It looks like he's going to be playing, though. Big Ben has a hip and a pec issue, but it looks like he's going to try and get out there from his words. Chase Claypool, again, with a hamstring, is also looking to try to get back out there. So it just seems like Pittsburgh is going to be kind of hobbling when it comes to their offense right now. Denver Broncos, they don't have many options as well, too, with their injuries. Melvin, take a day off. He looks like he's questionable with his leg injury. And Teddy Bridgewater with that concussion, it looks like he is trying to come back. He's been cleared to take part in the meetings and weight room sessions, but not cleared to play yet. So keep an eye on that for the for the rest of the day. I do have Broncos, however, taking this one. I like them a lot in this game. I think their defense is pretty good. I just don't trust in Pittsburgh offense at all. Seems like right now their only weapons that they could trust on is Najee and Deontay Johnson. But Big Ben is having a hard time getting the ball down the field. So it's more just kind of handoffs and uh, short passes to try to steal some yards. But I just don't like where this Steelers team is at right now, especially on the offensive end. So I am going to take the Broncos. The over-under right now is at 39 and a half. That is an extremely low over-under. I'll take the over if Teddy is playing. If Drew Locke is in, I'll probably stay away from the over-under on this one. I, I just don't like any of the offenses, especially if Drew Locke is in. As far as fantasy goes, Deontay and Najee, like I said, for the Steelers are the only two that you could play right now. I just don't trust that hamstring injury for Chase Claypool to come back and be a strong flex play. I just want to see him one week. After that, I'm sure he'll be fine. For the Broncos side, I like both of their running backs. If you have one of them, you can throw them in. They're kind of just bouncing back and forth. I like Melvin probably a little bit more in this game. Like Tyler said last week, it just seems like they're going to be using him basically till his wheels fall off. So I do like Melvin a little bit. Also, I like Noah Fant again in this game. Pittsburgh's not great against the tight ends this year as far as fantasy goes. So look for Noah Fant to have a big game. 
look for the running backs to have a big game. If you're going to pick one, I like Melvin a little bit more. Uh, just to differ, to clarify here, because we're taking an over and an under, like kind of deciding here on the podcast, just to take our own like opinion from here, I'll take, I'm going to take the under, but just as a, just as a pure kind of like announcement, I will not be betting that. I will not be betting the over or the under in this game in any way, shape or form. I don't like it. I don't trust it. I don't want anything to do with this game, barely in fantasy and even less so in terms of betting itself. When it comes to the spread, I'm going to take the Steelers and I probably end up regretting this. If they cannot squeak out a two point plus win at home, I won't be, I cannot imagine a scenario where I'm really betting on them in any other way this year. The only reason that I'm considering it here is that we, I still believe the Steelers defense. Okay. TJ Watt is back. He's going to be closer to full strength here heading into this week. They still have a good pass rush. And we just saw the Ravens basically blank the Broncos last week in mile high in Denver and hold them to seven points. Now, yeah, some of that maybe was because Teddy went out and Drew Locke came in. However, I still don't trust. I don't trust the Broncos. I don't think they're that good. I think they're an efficient enough team that can just kind of game manage their way through different games. And on the road at Heinz Field with that crowd, I just think the Steelers maybe might have one defensive play in them, whether it's like a fumble recovery, interception, some kind of turnover just to give them just enough to squeak by on this one. And from a fantasy standpoint here, I actually, I have Noah Fant. I like Noah Fant a lot. I personally am probably pivoting and going to be starting like Mike Gesicki over him this week against Tampa Bay, which is a much worse pass defense and just trying to play that one a little bit more safe. I don't really want anything to do with the split backfield of Denver. Steelers still have a good run defense. And unless one of them falls into the end zone, you don't know which one. I just don't have a lot of confidence there or really in any of their receivers. I mean, I guess you could play Cortland Sutton. If you have him, you probably have to, depending on how deep your roster is. And on the Steelers side, yeah, Najee and Deontay. Deontay's a must start. If Deontay is healthy, he's a must start every single week because he's getting 10 to 12 targets. That is volume that you just can't ignore. But I hate this game. Yeah, just to pile on the, on the, on the fantasy side of things, I completely agree with you what you just said about Deontay Johnson. I would say I completely agree with what Jake said before. Najee Harris, he is, even if he's inefficient, he's going to be good for fantasy. In terms of the Denver Broncos backfield, that's really the only guys that I trust on the Denver side of the ball. I really don't trust any of the receivers necessarily, especially if Drew Locke is quarterback. So I I would definitely put in Cortland Sutton if Teddy Bridgewater was playing. I would not if Drew Locke is playing. I just don't trust Drew Locke at all. I don't trust the Broncos really, but I trust the Steelers even less. But with Drew Locke at quarterback, I have to take the Steelers side. And at that point, at this point, when we're recording, we really truly don't know if Teddy's going to play. So I'm going to take the Steelers side for the sake of this podcast. I'm also going to take the under on this really low over under as well, because there's a reason that it is this low. And it's not just because everyone's hurt. It is because the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Denver Broncos, neither of these teams through four weeks has hit an over. Both teams have only hit under. So I got to take the under, even though it's low, just to ride the odds there. And really, I think you guys did a good enough job with the rest of it. I don't even want to talk about this game that much anymore. So let's go ahead and move. It's an ugly game. Yeah, let's go ahead and move on. We have the Eagles taking on the Panthers and the Panthers are favored by three and a half points. The over under here is 45 and a half. And on this one, I'm going to kick it over to Matt. Yeah, for this game, I'm pretty confident right now in what the Panthers are doing as a team. So I'll take the Panthers to cover. Panthers defense is just... They've, they've consistently proven that they're the real deal 
Outside of the Cowboys and how balanced their attack was against the Panthers last week, Panthers have done a damn good job of just limiting what the other team does. And so I've been very impressed with them. I've been very impressed with Sam Lamar Darnold, you know, leading the entire league in rushing touchdowns, not just at the quarterback position. Um, He's got a good thing going down when they get down into the red zone there. And the Eagles have some of their strengths. They got a halfway, they got a decent offensive line. But at this point, the biggest turning point for me here is simply the fact that the Eagles are down four offensive linemen. And I don't think they're going to be able to deal with the Panthers pass rush or how well they're able to cover in the secondary when the only people that the Panthers really have to work with they just have to shut down Devonta Smith. And that's pretty much it. I mean, Dallas Goddard, he had a good game last week. I feel much more confident in Goddard this week from an Eagles fantasy player than anyone else on that team. Miles Sanders, like does he even exist? He looks good every time they give him the ball. They just don't give him the ball. <laughs> so I, I don't have a lot of faith in the Eagles at this point. They look like they might be a tough out or resilient team the first two weeks. And they're definitely trending much closer to kind of again, more of like a lion's realm at this point. So not a lot of confidence there. Panther side, who's going to stop DJ Moore? I mean, Darius Slay is good, but it doesn't matter. DJ Moore is going to get his. And outside of that, I mean, that's really the player I'm most confident in outside of there. Robbie had a bunch of targets, but he didn't even do much with it last week either. But I don't know, Jake, you, you, you pay close attention to the Panthers offensive side of the ball being the DJ Moore truther of the group here. And it's been a paying off for you quite well so far. So what's, uh, what's your take on this game? I love DJ Moore this week. I love him every week, but I love him this week. I'm going to take the Panthers on this one. Do we know if Gilmore's going to be playing or not this week? Is he going to mean, no, he's not right. Cause he got week traded. Seven. So he's on the pub still. That's right. Yeah, week, week seven six, is when they're seven. Yep. So, yeah, I like the Panthers a lot this week. I do think the Eagles are not necessarily Detroit Lions status. They did put up over 350 yards or something like that against the Chiefs last week. I don't think they're necessarily Detroit Lions status. Uh, I think they do have some weapons. Really, as far as besides DJ Moore on this game, the only fantasy options that I do like are the quarterbacks on both ends. I think Donald's going to be a great strain this week. With Jalen Hurts, yeah, he's not going to get you a ton of passing yards, stuff like that, but his threat of just running is so strong. And with a strong pass rush for a rushing quarterback that typically lends to a lot of rushing yards. So I think he's going to rely and have to kind of rely because he's going to be running for his life in this game with all the injuries that they have and how good the Panthers front line is. I think he's going to be having to rely on his legs a ton this game. I'm not super confident in him, but if you have him, obviously you got to start him. So yeah, as far as fantasy, I just like the quarterbacks in this game. Obviously besides DJ Moore, I think he's going to have a great game, but I'm going to take the the Panthers on this one to cover that over under. I'm not really in love with it. I'm probably going to take the over just kidding. I'm probably going to take the under on this one. I just sold myself on the under. I'm not a huge fan of that line. I'll take the under on this one and I'll take the Panthers to cover, start the quarterbacks and start DJ Moore. Other than that, it's kind of, kind of what I got for this game. Yeah. I honestly look at the Eagles the same way Jake does. I do think that they are slightly better than maybe what Matt just gave them credit for. They did put up a solid fight against a few couple good opponents like It was a defensive slugfest when they played the 49ers. It was a shootout when it came to the Chiefs. You know, they didn't look it against the Cowboys, obviously. So they're an up and down type of team. I originally wrote down that I was going to take the Eagles plus three and a half, and I can't do it, especially considering that I peeked at the injury report while you guys were talking. And 
coach says that Christian McCaffrey looks really good when he returned to practice today. So with him jumping back into the Panthers offense, I don't think that there's a way that the Eagles and their talent level can keep pace with the Panthers if Christian McCaffrey is in. So I will go ahead and make this a universal pick for the Panthers here. I will also take the under, like Jake just said. Sorry if you're like me and you ran off in certain leagues and went and picked up Chuba Hubbard and Christian McCaffrey is already back. Say goodbye to that fab. But when it comes to this game, you know, fantasy wise, I think you guys already hit the good notes. Matt, did you ever come around on an over or an under on this one? Here, one sec. Uh, I'll take the over. So coin flip on that one. Let's go ahead and move on. I think that we're all kind of over that game already. So let's look at Matt's favorite team. We got the Browns and the Chargers. The Chargers are favorites against the Browns. They're at home. But is it really home? They got booed at home last week. Rough. They're over under 46 and a half. And Matt, take it away, dude. Now, the Chargers don't need a home. The only home they need is the place that they have in my heart. And that's really all they're going to get. Because until they go on a playoff run and start to captivate the LA base, they're not going to have a home field. At the same time, I don't think, I think this game, if they're going to have a home game, this one would probably be a little bit closer. The Browns really aren't a hypey team. So I think that would, luckily, that should be a little bit 50-50, at least from a home field advantage standpoint. In this game, I'm going to take the under, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna also going to take the Chargers to cover the spread here. And there's a couple reasons why. If you look at the Chargers right now is Brandon Staley. I think we've seen at this point, Brandon Staley has been able to take his number one defense that he schemed with the Rams last year and take it over and fit it in almost seamlessly with the Chargers as of now. The Chargers have held every single team that they've played against up until this point to much lower to a almost a touchdown less than they're averaging in all the other games playing. Now, granted, it's a four game sample size, but you've held the Chiefs to 24. You held the Raiders to 14. Washington has been averaging about 27. They held them to 16. They've been, they've been very, very good at taking away big explosive plays. And in fact, Henry Ruggs, like 45 yard catch that Derek Carr tossed this last Monday night was the longest play that they've given up to this point this year. So I think the Chargers are going to go into this game knowing that the Browns really only best chance of winning this is going to be running the ball down the throat, which I do believe they, the Browns will be able to have some success with. It just, I have more faith in the efficiency of what Justin Herbert is doing right now. So last two games, seven touchdowns, zero interceptions, 70% completion percentage, and they're able to get the ball out quick to Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler out of the backfield. Jared Cook has been great on a lot of these short passing routes here. So I think the Chargers are going to be able to put together at least one or two more good drives than the Browns. And what the Chargers will be able to do is take away the passing game completely for Baker and the Browns, which will just be enough for them to have probably closer to an ugly game, but I just have more faith in the Chargers being more efficient and scoring at least enough to cover the spread here. I really wish that this spread would move to plus three because I want to take the Browns. I do. And just to hurt Matt's feelings, I think I'm going to. I'll go ahead and take Browns plus two. I really don't like that line. I'll probably throw that, though, in a teaser leg in some sort. I'll tease that line up to eight so that I can fit that in because I do think that the Chargers are riding a super big high coming off of a big divisional primetime game win. I don't think that the Browns are satisfied with that win over the Vikings. So I see this as slightly a letdown spot for the Chargers, which is why I'm going to take the Browns to the points over underwise. I agree with you, Matt. I do think that this is going to be a game where we see an under 
which makes me sad for fantasy purposes, but I still think that fantasy wise, the stars are going to shine. It really just depends on who ends up with the touchdown as far as the chargers are concerned, be that with Mike Williams or Austin Eckler or Keenan Allen. I think that two of those three guys are going to get a touchdown in this one. And those are the guys that you're going to be happy with, but you're starting all three of them, of course, as far as the Browns are concerned, you know, I do think that Odell Beckham Jr. has to have a week at one point or another. He just started, you know, so give him a little bit of time. But I think that he's going to find his traction sooner rather than later. And I'm a guy who really has never had that much faith for the past few fantasy seasons in Odell Beckham Jr. Matt, I know that you are more on that side than I am, but I think that he's going to have a game. And of course, the running backs are as well. That's just the way that the Browns roll. And the Browns also roll with defense, which is why I lean towards the under and which is why I can see them giving the Chargers a hard time. Yeah, so this game was really hard for me as well. Minus two line for the Chargers has me really intrigued. I kind of like the Browns in this game. I know, Matt, you're not going to be a huge fan of that, but I I do. I just, I mean, actually I am. It's just going to help me win for our spread bet. So I I know, please do go for it. Doubt us. Yeah, I'm going to take the Browns on this one. I don't know why. Uh, I've looked back at this over and over and over again. I've Something is just calling me towards the Browns. I can't tell you why. I just have a a feeling in my gut that the Browns are going to take this one. I do think as far as fantasy standards go, the Chargers, their offensive game is pretty solid. Justin Herbert, I'm very excited about what he can do as far as moving the ball down the field. So I like Keenan a lot in this game. I think they're going to use Austin Eckler a lot. So you're going to start your studs on the Chargers. Obviously, Nick Chubb is going to have a great game. Again, Kareem Hunt could have another solid game. I like his talent a lot. So I love those running backs. Yeah, I just, I, I can't really pinpoint this one. I don't know why I'm taking the Browns. Everything that I'm seeing, that I'm paying attention to, as far as stats and all that are telling me chargers. But I just, I, I just feel the Browns on this one. So I'm just going to trust my gut on this one, throw a dart out there, and I'll take the Browns on this one. No rhyme or reason, just kind of a gut feeling. Do you have enough of a gut feeling to give me a chance at redemption on a water bet? Nope. No? Nope. You sure? Yep. Matt, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll be nice. I'll do it. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, thanks, Mike. I, 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 I know you were, you were just like sitting there with sad puppy dog eyes when Jake's saying, telling you no. So I know that would make you happy. I'll go ahead and do it. I'll take some water to the face because I'm back with Browns. All right. Oh, man. <laughs> Let's go. Hopefully I have Jake's luck on that, dude. (laughs) All right. Hey, get bullied into it and it works. I think it's more fun when you guys are rooting for your team even more. So it's an exciting year for some of that. I think the Chargers are breaking their curse. And yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens here. I am uh, touching on your point, Mike. I am very curious to see how Odell performs in this game, though, because really he should have had like two touchdowns last game alone. Baker missed him on a wide open 60 yard touchdown, which would have been great considering I was playing against you. It wouldn't have actually mattered. Actually, no, that's okay. He could have let me down because I just would have had my hope dashed anyways. But no, Baker just had a trash game last week. I do think Baker will step back and be better. But one thing we do have to watch with Baker is, you know, he does have arguably, uh, I've seen quite a few speculations saying that Baker has a torn labrum in his left shoulder. Now, granted, that's his non-throwing shoulder. However, that still can add to a level of discomfort and throw things off if you get hit a couple times. You know, maybe you need that shot to control some of the pain. So I am curious to see how Odell performs in this game. I'm not projecting a lot with him this game, specifically because the Chargers have allowed the second fewest 
fantasy points and really just yardage in general to wide receivers since the beginning of the year. And like even in our own fantasy league here, I'm most likely pivoting and I'll be starting Michael Pittman and Emmanuel Sanders over him in both of my two flex spots, partially just because, I mean, Bill's Chiefs shootout, Sanders has been great. And Michael Pittman's been averaging 10, 12 targets a game. So that's just for some like context on where I think Odell's going to perform. I think he, I think I only would trust him as like a wide receiver three to like flex type position this week. However, I'm hoping he goes off because I, I'd love to be able to plug him in consistently week after week and have some of those deep shots. And to, you know, the point of this bet, I want to be clear that I think that the Chargers are the better team. If you listened to the previous episode where I did a power rankings of the AFC, you would know that. And I'm still just thinking that they're in a letdown spot. You know, it's a any given Sunday type of league. And I think that this is the Browns Sunday. So that's why I'm going to go ahead and take that water bet from you, Matt. But let's go ahead and move on. We have the Bears and the Raiders coming up next here. And the Raiders are favored by five. The over under is only 44. And I'll go ahead and kick this one off. Personally, I've always taken the opinion that the Raiders are the team that plays up to competition that is good, plays down to competition that are bad. I've tried kind of both sides of that coin. And ultimately, I have to just pick with who is the better team by a long shot, in my opinion, on this one. And I think that's the Raiders. So I am going to go ahead and take those five points and take the Raiders. I just think that the Bears are you know, okay at home and they're trash on the road. We saw that against the Browns. Granted, that was Justin Fields' first game as a starter, but really he just got the butt of confidence from the team since Matt Nagy just named him the starter. Andy Dalton off the injury report, but Fields is the starter. Mooney and Mack are both listed as questionable, but they're going to be a go. The main news, of course, is David Montgomery, who's going to miss time and hasn't been placed on IR yet. Matt Nagy hates fantasy owners, that being the owner not in our league, but in others. So I'm a little upset about it, but not going to dwell well on it here let's go ahead and talk fantasy options here oh and i am going to take the under on this game by the way so i'm going to take the raiders i'm going to take the under fantasy wise obviously darren waller is a must start if it looks like josh jacobs is going to be a go and peyton barber is going to be out with turf toe despite him doing okay so as far as fantasy goes josh jacobs if he's back in i expect him to be a fine start he might not necessarily qualify as that RB, you know, one or two that you maybe drafted him to be, but he's definitely still a fine flex play. And I think he's still going to be fine for this game in particular going up against the Bears. And on the Bears side, Allen Robinson, he's going to ride your bench until he shows you otherwise. Honestly, I'd flex Darnell Mooney over him. I probably wouldn't, but I'm just saying that that's kind of the state of the Bears right now. I really don't know what to make of any of the fantasy options with David Montgomery out. I loved having David Montgomery in my lineup and with David Montgomery out, it just makes me sad to think about the bears offense. So. Yeah. So just like you, I really think the Raiders are that team that plays to the level of their competition. So for that, I think it's just going to be a closer game than a five point game. So I'm going to take the bears on this one. So you saw with last week with Lazard being the play caller that Justin Fields did look better. Still not taking any top whatever water bets on him probably ever again he did look better on that game so i i just don't think the raiders are truly that real deal where they're just going to show up every week consistently they they kind of remind me of the saints but not as much up and down as far as that goes so yeah i like the bears in this one i am with the line of 44 going to take the over 
on this one. I think there is just a couple more touchdowns. Like I said, Justin Fields kind of looked like he figured it out a little bit with Matt Nagy not calling plays. Kind of it's more of a scheme fit for Justin Fields. And the Raiders do score points. They got some weapons on that side. Josh Jacobs, if he's in, like you said, he's going to be a fine play. Obviously, I love Darren Waller. He's going to be awesome. And then that receiving core with Tarek Carr is actually not bad. Hunter Renfro, Henry Ruggs over there. So Brian Edwards is kind of showing up as well, too. I know I just named a bunch of people that says why I should take the Raiders, but I am going to be taking the Bears on this one and the over. I'll take the over and I'll happily take the Raiders. I do think I've actually been very impressed with the Raiders, how they've shown up, even after going down 21-0 to the Chargers this last Monday night, they showed some resilience and came out strong. And on top of that, the Raiders defense, by no means is it a world beater or anything, but they do have a pretty solid pass rush going for them right now, which is exactly where the Bears' biggest weakness is, which is on the offensive line, which in a lot of ways, I think has been masked by just how damn good David Montgomery has been playing lately. He's truly evolved and he's becoming an elite back in the league. He's shifty, he's strong, he's powerful. And while I know Damian Williams has been a massive pickup for a lot of fantasy owners this week specifically, I do think he's going to have value simply because he's going to be getting all of the touches. But especially at home, coming off of that loss, I think the Raiders bounce back and kind of, I think they're going to smack the Bears. So I'm, I'm very happy taking the over and very happy taking the Raiders to cover here as well. They just have too many weapons. Hunter Renfro is such a great third down, move the chains type weapon. Hunt Henry Ruggs is stretching the field, opening up the middle of the field for Darren Waller. And Brian Edwards is great as soon as it becomes eight minutes left in the fourth quarter because that's somehow when he always gets all of his catches. I, I, I'm very comfortable with the Raiders on the Bears side. I don't trust Fields. I still haven't seen enough from him. And... I'm fading all bears really for probably the rest of the season until I see otherwise. Jake, is there a single bear that you would currently throw into your lineup? Probably just Damian Williams. The only one Uh, I have Alan Robinson in another league. He is now benched for Chenault. And yeah, I just don't see enough from their passing game to rely on any fantasy relevancy. But as you guys know, fantasy and football don't always match up. You can have a good football game with being a terrible fantasy team. I'm not saying that the Bears are a good team. I just think that they could cover the the five points on this game. All right, Jake. Well, let's go ahead and move on now to the Cardinals game. So you can get all happy and riled up. We have the 49ers going to the Cardinals. So the Cardinals are the home team and they are the favorites by five and a half points. And the over under is a high one at 49 and a half. So Jake, I'm throwing it to you. Who do you like in the Cardinals 49ers game? I like the only undefeated team in the league right now. I love the Cardinals in this game. It's actually very interesting though, because we don't know who is going to be the quarterback for the 49ers. Right now, it does look like it's going to be Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo is trying everything that he can to get back on the field. I just don't think it happens this week. So without any real film, I'll be very interested to see how this Cardinals defense handles a more mobile quarterback, because it is definitely a completely different team when Trey Lance is in and when Jimmy Garoppolo is in. I just think the defense though has too many weapons on that side. Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, they're going to be able to control the edge, not allow Trey Lance to get loose to the outside. We're kind of worried, not worried, but we're, we're looking at Chase Edmonds with his shoulder. He didn't practice today. He should be fine. It could be just like a veteran rest kind of day. I think he should be back in. I do like both the running backs this week if you have to flex one of them. I think James Conner is a fine play. It looks like he's getting all the red zone and 10 zone options to score the rushing touchdowns. And and Chase Edmonds is definitely the receiving back on that end. 
as far as the over goes of 49 and a half, I am going to take the over on this one. An intriguing stat that I saw was that the Cardinals right now are beating every opponent by an average of almost 14 points. It's 13.8. So I think Trey Lance is able to move the ball. I think he's going to have yards with his legs. I think Debo's going to have a good game. The Cardinals are not necessarily the best in the uh, defensive backfield and stopping the pass especially the deep pass. So I think that bids well for Debo Samuel to have a great game. But yeah, other than that, if I'm going to take the cards in the Rams game, I'm definitely taking them in the 49ers game happily to cover. And I'll take the over in this one. Yeah, I'm pretty, I think I pretty much agree with you on just, just about everything there, Jake. Although I'm surprised you didn't mention, you know, we'll actually be there at the game cheering for all of these things to go down. So I mean, I, I, I thought you, wow, I don't know how, man, talk about a Cardinals fan. Okay, damn. But anyways, yeah, we're going to be at the game. We're going to be cheering it on. I'm excited to watch Tyler score a lot of fantasy points for me. I'm really excited to watch, just really to watch the Cardinals offense in action live. It really looks like this year, adding on those couple extra weapons have really just opened up the Cardinals offense where it's almost like a pick your poison for the defense. Who do you stop? Cool. Okay, cool. Try to, you have a lockdown corner. You want to try to shut down DeAndre Hopkins. Great. AJ Green will show why he's actually the best receiver on the Cardinals and just absolutely go off. Totally joking there, but I've always been an AJ Green fan. So it's nice to see him really starting to have like a kind of a career revival after really about with some really bad injuries here. And on top of that, I mean, then you got to deal with Rondale Moore and his shiftiness, Christian Kirk out of the slot, Chase Edmonds and James Conner have had fantastic weeks now consecutively. And Kyler just seems to have it all together. So until I see somebody limit him, and considering that I projected I've had the Rams as a better defense than the Niners, I just don't see how the Niners are going to stop him. And on the opposite side, if Trey Lance does start, I've just seen I've seen uncertainty out of him, questioning his reads, not sure who he's supposed to throw to. And considering the fact right now that the Niners, their entire running back room is still in flux. They have no consistency there. Their Hall of Fame left tackle, Trent Williams, has a chance of missing this game. Yeah, if they were going to limit Chandler Jones, that was their best chance. So it just seems like there's a lot stacked against the 49ers right now. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the over because I think the Cardinals alone could probably cover about 75, 80% of that total point spread. And from there, I'll, I'll obviously take the Cardinals to win and easily cover. Super quick. I do love AJ Green this game. Uh, he's truly their number two now. It looks like Kyler's trusting him a little bit more and getting more, not necessarily trusting because he's had six targets in every single game, very consistent in that aspect, but it looks like they're more on a rhythm now. They're finally getting their timing. They're finally understanding each other. So I love AJ Green this game. And also George Kittle, just another injury deal. They're kind of keeping him on the same regiment of holding him out today. Very, very limited on Thursday, kind of letting him go get a feel for Friday. So if if he's not at 100% either, like, yeah, I just, I just don't see a way for the Cardinals to mess this up. I think that the Cardinals are also going to cover on this one. I know that Tyler might have something else to say if he was here because you know, he made his whole point last week about how he was going to bet any game in the NFC West, whoever's getting more than a field goal, he would take. But I think that I'm going to go ahead and make this unanimous here. I honestly wanted to be contrarian again for some reason. You know, I've been burned one too many times as a Cardinals fan because I too am a, Car- a Cardinals fan. I haven't lived in Arizona for quite some time, but I grew up sitting next to Jake on some Sun Devil Stadium metal bleachers and watching the Cardinals play when they didn't even have their own stadium. So I am a born and raised Cardinals fan through and through. These Arizona guys know 
that this is a special team. It is. There's a reason that they're undefeated so far. Even when they looked like they were in trouble, they were putting up massive amounts of points. Byron Murphy, he's really impressing me. He's he's just a stud. The other options on the defense, like Budabaker, uh, you know, all these guys, they're, they're really impressive. And as far as the offense goes, the one thing that I do want to ask on a fantasy-related question, and I kind of want to make it interesting, let's look at D-Hop and say, if you were to trade for or trade away D-Hop and you had to make just a one-for-one trade, what is a fair market value right now for him? Because looking at our personal league, I know we have some customized scoring going on, but I believe that he's just the wide receiver 21. And obviously he wasn't drafted to be the wide receiver 21. So where do you guys place him right now in terms of a fair market value, just a one-to-one trade in fantasy? I think I'd probably place him probably closer to kind of kind of right around like the DK Metcalf type of zone because you know DK we know how explosive he is but even like last week he had a great week and it was four for sixty four and a touchdown I think D Hop is going to end up in that range where he's going to be getting like five for sixty on almost every single week and after that a lot of his boom potential is really going to depend on whether he's one of the people to get a touchdown which I did I will say this I did have DeAndre Hopkins as a fade for me this year before the draft season, both him and Alvin Kamara were two of my fade candidates, not because I thought that they weren't going to be good in fantasy, but because I projected some concerns with the saints offense on the Kamara side. And also here with Hopkins, it just, they have so many weapons and this is more of a Testament to Kyler, let it, not more of a, not a detraction uh, from Hopkins. It just Kyler's making the right read. So rather than trying to force the ball into DeAndre Hopkins while he's being double covered like he did last year because he didn't have the exact weapons that he has now, I mean, Christian Kirk was banged up a little bit last year as well. So now it's like, okay, cool. If if Hopkins is double covered, that's when I'm going to toss the bomb down the field to A.J. Green one-on-one. And A.J. Green's just bigger and he's going to go up and get it. Or if you've got those two guys covered, Christian Kirk's probably open coming out of the slot or Chase Edmonds on like a quick little wheel route or go route, something like that coming out of the backfield. So I'm not very confident in Hopkins. I I do still think he'll finish as like a high-end wide receiver two to like mid-range wide receiver two on the year. So yeah, I'd say probably DK Metcalf, AJ Brown maybe at this point, rest of season, once he comes back from his hamstring, kind of I'm having trouble thinking about some names to exactly compare. I don't know, Jake, what do you think here? So here's a name I'll throw out there. This is more on the bottom half of my tier, maybe even my floor. Maybe even like an Amari Cooper type right now. Great. Like a DK through Amari is kind of my field that I have DeAndre Hopkins in. Other than, I think he's going to have a bounce back. I I mean, obviously he is their number one on the highest scoring offense in the league right now. They're going to be electric all year. Kyler's going to be electric all year. They just have so many weapons. So him being that true, true number one, it's hard to rely on this year. So yeah, right around the DK through through Amari, that kind of tier list, find a couple guys that you like within there without like right around there is what I like for for DeAndre. So we got an, a unanimous pick for us three on that one. So let's go ahead and move on to the Cowboys Giants game. This game has a higher over under than that one somehow at 42 and a half. The Giants are going to Dallas and are seven point underdogs. Matt, I'm going to throw this one to you. What do you think is going to happen there? I think the Cowboys are easily going to cover that. Cowboys have been very impressive so far this entire year. 
after that first game against the Bucks, I thought it might have been a little bit of a fluke just because they had four turnovers and it seemed like, I mean, even the two interceptions they had against Brady weren't even Brady's fault. They were like off the hands of the of Leonard Fournette and whichever other brick handed running back came out of the backfield for him. But at the same time, now we've seen it. You've got some real players on the Cowboys defense that are really showing up. I mean, Diggs is up to what, five interceptions, I think now within four weeks. So he's been, he's really stepping into a playmaker for the Cowboys. So I think the, the problem, which, which makes it so difficult to play against the Cowboys is they're able to almost, they're, they're combining the best of their offenses under Dak over the last like four or five years. When Dak first came into the league, it was all ball control. It was pound the ball with Zeke, great offensive line, control the clock, play it safe, wear out the defense. Dak would make timely throws. Now they can do both. I mean, you couldn't run against the Panthers until the Cowboys just ran for like over 150 yards against them. I think it was actually 170 against them last week. And they completely controlled that entire game. I think the Cowboys are in a great spot where they have two very solid running backs. Zeke has shown up hot the last couple of weeks, ever since dropping a dud against the Bucks week one, which it's against the Bucks. Got to forgive him for that. But Tony Pollard is opening up an entirely new dimension out of the backfield alone. Where some people may be disappointed in this Cowboys offense is that they, since they have not been as pass happy as people were expecting, I actually think there's somewhat of a disappointment in fantasy from a pass catching standpoint, as well as where you drafted Dak. And that's nothing against them because I think Dak has played like one of the best quarterbacks in the league up until this point so far from an NFL standpoint. But I mean, CD's had two down weeks in a row. Amari had that one deep touchdown catch last week. But outside of that, he had two completely bomb games in weeks two and three. So heading into this game, it's a divisional game. I'm not expecting fireworks. I just think the Cowboys are going to smack down this. And this could easily be like a 30 to 17 type game. Yeah, on this game, I definitely have the Cowboys as well, too. The Giants, again, are just a streaky team. They beat a very, very streaky Saints team last week. I just I just don't think that they're the real deal. As far as the over-under goes, it's always very interesting when it comes to divisional games. So I think I'm going to take the over on this one. I just The firepower, the weapons that the Cowboys have is just, it's so real. It's They're, they're so good. CD, Amari, Zeke, Tony Pollard opening up, a, like you said, Matt, a completely different lane. A cool little stat that I saw too is even though that the Cowboys are 3-1, they are 4-0 against the spread right now. So they're a, they're a pretty comfortable team to bet the spread on. They're also the third-ranked offense in total yards and fourth in points per game. So they're good. they're scoring right now. They're locking up. They're playing good defense. Yeah, I, I just think the, the Cowboys handle, handle the Giants this week. So start all your Cowboys. As far as the Giants go, you could really throw in Saquon right now and feel confident that he is back, if not very, 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 very close to being the Saquon of old, the Saquon that we all know and love. As far as pass catchers, with Trayvon Diggs out there, I'm not too excited about them at all. I don't think Daniel Jones has a great game. If he does, he's going to have to do it with his legs. So Giants side, I'm kind of sticking away, except for Saquon. For the Cowboys side, go ahead and throw them in. One thing, from a from a pass catching standpoint of the Giants, only point I'd like to throw in here is just watch Kadarius Tony, because he had a pretty solid game last week. Part of that, I'm sure, is still because Sterling Shepard is banged up with that hamstring injury. But Tony looks solid. So depending if he's able to assert himself into the offense here again in back-to-back weeks, that could cement a role for himself moving forward. And Daniel Jones has actually impressed over the last couple of weeks. And so if that's going to be the case, he's, he's a sleeper to watch. If you have an extra bench spot and you need a receiver, feel free to just pick him up and just watch this week. There should be some points scored. 
I'd watch for him. And I think after last week's six for 116, I think you could probably confidently throw in Kenny Galladay as well. So I'm going to go ahead and super reluctantly take the Giants plus seven. Man, you're going hard on this underdog thing, aren't you? Damn. Dude, I have a damn theme, dude. <laughs> you're on full tilt from getting screwed going, by the Lions. Go for it. Jake and I seriously need to have a water bet just on the record of who it, we should all just have a water bet going on the record of who gets the most. I'm picks. pretty sure me and you are completely Wrong. opposite right now. You Except and I like so picks. far have agreed on, I think, maybe four or five games so far out of the oh, wow. 15 that we're going to go through. We only have two more after this. So I'll do a water bet with you, Mike. All right. For we got week. it, dude. Yeah. One of us is going to have a good week. One of us is not. And I'm really hoping that it's I'm the one who has the good week. So <laughs> I'm going to bet the Giants there. on the road and fade them at home. I've heard that phrase in betting before, and I just am going to stick to it here. This is a divisional game. They're getting seven points. It's a high over under. That means that they're going to be putting up points as well. And just like you guys said, I do have a lot of faith in all of these fantasy options. Obviously, I own pretty much every Cowboy in our league of records. So I have Dak, I have Zeke, I have CD, I have Tony Pollard. Don't tempt me. I'll go pick up Dalton Schultz. There is a lot to love about the Cowboys and how they have been playing. I honestly am rooting for the Cowboys for the first time in my life. And it is largely because of fantasy. But for the first time in my life, I actually enjoy watching the Cowboys play. I think that this team is not just hype. All of my life, they have been just hype since before I can remember, you know, I was born during their last Super Bowls, but I, I don't remember them. So anyway, the Giants Plus seven, I think it's a safe bet. I think that the over is also a safe bet. 52 and a half, that's fine. To go on to Matt's point about CD being a disappointment, I would agree. I expected a lot more out of him. I drafted him personally above Amari Cooper, just thinking that he was going to have that breakout sophomore season. I drafted several guys with that in mind, like Justin Jefferson, even though he pretty much already broke, broke out as a rookie. I know, Matt, you did the same with Brandon Ayuk, and that didn't really work out. I did the same thing with Jerry Judy. He looked good, but then got, immediately got hurt. So that's definitely a key thing that people look for in fantasy when it comes to wide receivers that hasn't played out perfectly this year. But I do think that CD is going to have better games ahead of him. He was good in two games as well. He had one true boom game, two true bust games, and one game that was just kind of the middle of the road consistency-wise. And that's really how I truly consider him. I don't really consider him to be that big boom bust play. I consider him to just be the steady Eddie in my lineup. And that's how I'm just going to look at him moving forward. I'm not going to expect a ton, but I do think that he will have more good games than bad games. And then in terms of the running backs, though, man, you got to love what Zeke has been able to do in comparison to what he's done in the prior seasons. He looks way better now. On the other side of the ball, honestly, Saquon is looking a little bit better now. So that's good to see as well. And pass catching wise, you guys have kind of already touched on those. So let's go ahead and move on. If the Bills going to the Chiefs and the Chiefs are the favorites by two and a half points. And this is the highest over under of the week. This is 56.5 on this one. I'll go ahead and kick us off. We do have an interesting thing here where the Chiefs are running into in my opinion, some of the toughest teams on their schedule early. So they're having a disappointing start. Coming into this game, they're 2-2, two and two, yet they're still favored over the Bills, who have been rolling over everybody since they got upset in Week 1 by the Steelers somehow. And I personally think at this very moment that the Bills 
are the better team. And I'm going to take the Bills plus two and a half. I would take them on the money line all day long. And I'm so confident that their defense is better than the Chiefs defense and that their offenses are comparable. So I can't really wrap my mind around saying that the Chiefs would be the better team. I would say that that would just be going off of what everyone's expectations are. So really, I don't understand why they're favored outside of the fact that they're at home. Other than that, points of emphasis would be that the Bills are covering on spreads like crazy. The Chiefs are not. So the Bills, three and one against the spread. Of course, they laid that egg against the Steelers. And then, not an egg, but a dud. And then the Chiefs are one and three against the spread. So everyone has these high expectations of the Chiefs and only once have they covered so far this year. Over under wise, I do think that it's going to be a high scoring affair. The Chiefs aren't going to be able to stop anything. And the Bills are going to a little bit, but they can't do enough to stop both Tyreek and Travis Kelsey, one of them is going to have a game. That's how it always works out for the Chiefs. And, you know, Clyde edwards Solari, he's been doing better. So I have a little bit more faith in him. Do I have that much faith in him going up against the Bills? Eh, not necessarily, but I do think that he's an okay start. I wouldn't aim to have him in my lineup. If I could pivot, I would. I've been trying to in some leagues. Bills-wise, man, Emmanuel Sanders, like you said before, Stefan Diggs, of course. There's a guy in our league that has Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs stack. I'm very jealous of that. That's just a high-flying offense that you want a piece of. And personally, I went and grabbed a piece of that offense by picking up Dawson Knox, who I expect to continue kind of being like a Robert Tunyon type of player that we saw on Green Bay last year, where he just was the tight end. He didn't get a ton of yardage, but he got those touchdowns. And that's really all you can ask for when it comes to a fantasy tight end. If you're consistent at touchdowns, that's going to win you some weeks. So yeah, that's my thoughts on this game. Let me throw this one over to Matt. I'm with you. I'm, well, I'm taking the over on this easy. And I'm also taking the bills. The bills defense has been spectacular so far this year. They've got, and you got Tredavious White. You got a lot of good people on that team that I think what they're going to be able to do is not cut the Chiefs off by any means. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, I believe, I want to say he's on pace right now for 60 passing touchdowns. You can't stop Mahomes. But when the Eagles last week were able to go the entire game without ever having to punt, that's a concern because I'll take the Bills offense over the Eagles offense any day of the week. And on top of that, if that's the case right there, then guess what? I'm going to take the Bills here to cover as well as the over here, because I don't think the Chiefs can stop anyone right now. Not on the ground, not in the air. And I know that it's on the road and it will be a vibrant atmosphere. I mean, I believe Sunday night football in Arrowhead, it's going to be loud. But I think the Bills are going to have a point to make. They still remember losing in the playoffs last year. And I, I think they're going to come out and give everything they have. And the Chiefs are kind of just stumbling along, trying to piece the team together a bit. So from a fantasy standpoint, start everyone. <laughs> start, start everyone in this game that you have a piece of, because this could easily go 60. This could even go 70 points. I don't see anyone stopping anyone, really. Yeah, well, you guys hit all of my points. So there's not really much that I could say. I was going to talk about the... The spread, the Chiefs are just terrible against the spread. They're one and three against it right now. The Bills are three and one. Another cool stat that I like, I mean, granted, they did just play Houston, but the Bills right now, ever since week one, are 118 to 21. So, and then another question I had, Matt, you just touched on it. Who's a better offense? I mean, who who do you like more as far as a team, offense, everything? The Bills or the Eagles? Everybody's going to say the Bills. The Eagles just put up Jalen Hurts put up 387 passing yards against the Chiefs. If you don't think Josh Allen's can do that, if you don't think that offense is going to be buzzing, 
the Bills, besides the Cardinals right now, are, in my opinion, the best team in the league. They're just firing on all cylinders. Josh Allen is insanely good. They have weapons all over the place um, on that Bills side. Far as sta- fantasy standards go, I love the over in this game. Uh, like Matt said, I think this could be really like that same Chiefs Rams Monday night game, what, like three years ago, two years ago, whatever it was, when it was 100 points. I don't think it's going to be that wild, but it's it's going to be a barn burner. It's going to be a shootout. The Chiefs are just so electric. Pat- Patrick Mahomes is just so good that he's going to put up points. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, start all the weapons over there. Bill side, same thing. Even Cole Beasley, as far as a, a deeper start, there's just going to be so many yards, so many points being scored in this game. I think it's they have to. The Chiefs have to score a ton of points if they want to win, and they have that ability to do it. Even against the Bills in that tough, tough, tough defense, Chiefs still have that ability to score points and put put a ton up there. I just think the Bills have have better ability against this kind of. It looks like the Chiefs defense are still trying to like figure it out almost. Like they're not really sinking at all. So yeah, I just I I love this game. I love the Bills in this one. I'm so excited to watch this Sunday night game. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be a barn burner. Start everybody. Take the Bills. Take the over. You'll be pretty happy. All right, and let's go ahead and move on to the last game of the week, Monday Night Football. We have the Colts going to Baltimore to face the Ravens, and the Ravens are six-and-a-half-point favorites at home. The over-under is 45, and we're kicking it over to Jake. Jake, tell me what is going to happen when the Colts visit your Ravens. So even though the Colts got their first win last week, I just don't think the Dolphins are that formidable of an opponent. So I'm going to take the Ravens on this one. Absolutely love them. I don't think the Colts are going to be that good. They're pretty injury ridden right now. Carson Wentz does look a little bit better as far as fantasy standards for that Colts side. Jonathan Taylor, obviously you're starting him. He's not going to have the Dolphin-esque type game that you just had last week with him. But another player that I like for that Colts team is I actually like Mo Cox a lot. Carson Wentz likes tight ends. The Ravens are not really good guarding the tight ends. That's their really one big weakness that they have on that defense. And we saw a hyper target of just a big ass human being of Mo Ali Cox. So look for him on that side if you need a streaming tight end. As far as the Ravens side go, I love the receivers this week. Obviously, Hollywood Brown. I think you can flex in or uh, double flex in Sammy Watkins as well too. The Colts are not great against the wide receivers as far as fantasy goes. Obviously, you're starting Lamar Jackson at any point and every point that you can. Not really taking him out. But yeah, I, I think the Ravens covered this one. I think they have have their way with it. An over-under 45, I, I, I can see this being a slower game. I'm kind of leaning towards the under on this one, but I'm not too sure right now. What do you guys think? I mean, my initial thought when I thought about this game in general was like, I think the Ravens win this like 26-21. But I think it, when it comes to an odd standpoint, I think the odds of the Ravens scoring even more than that, I would lean towards that. So when it comes to spread here, I'll take the Ravens and I will take the over here as well. I think Lamar is really starting to figure out a lot of his passing game more than I was even anticipating heading into this year. And moving forward, too, it looks like this game, there's potential for Miles Boykin and Rashad Bateman, their first-round rookie that they drafted this year, receiver to play. So I think Lamar is going to start to get a couple more weapons even back on the field here. And the Colts... I think the Colts play a stubborn game and keep it respectable up until maybe like the mid third to the late third. And then from there, the Ravens just kind of break things open, kind of similar, maybe even to like how the Cowboys and Panthers game went. It it was competitive until it wasn't. So that's kind of how I'm projecting the flow of this game to go. 
but I do think the Ravens are going to be able to make a deep shot. I could see Hollywood keeping his streak going here. You just have to put so much emphasis on stopping the run game for the Ravens that all of a sudden Hollywood speeds just able to break down the field and Lamar's actually hitting on those. So depending on which gloves Hollywood wants to wear this week, whether they're the stickies or the slippery ones, there could be a chance, you know, that he keeps up kind of this streak here going on. So outside of that, yeah, I'm, I, I pretty much agree with everything. I like if Jack Doyle's still out, I believe in Mo Ali Cox. I like Michael Pittman a lot on the Colts side, simply because he's just so involved. He's getting like almost 30% of the team's total targets right now. Carson Wentz, they've, they've almost scored on three different touchdown passes so far. So I think it's bound to happen one of these weeks. And so I do believe that there is going to be something to kind of just pull back. And I think things will start to balance out a little bit. And as I say that, Jake's laughing because that's kind of been the story of my entire fantasy team and a lot of players that I've initially drafted. Calvin Ridley, you know, Terry McLaren had had a couple down, like off weeks here and there. And that, that, uh, that semblance of just like explosion just hasn't quite been there the way I've been hoping for. But I'll take 10 targets, especially in a game where I believe the Colts are going to be trailing. So outside of that, yeah, you're going to start Taylor. Watch Naeem Hines. He got a little banged up last week. So we'll see whether he plays or not. If he does, I feel pretty good about him in like a full PPR league if you need like a deep flex shot, because I do, I do anticipate the Colts trailing. So he should be good for a couple uh, dump off passes. Yeah, I see this one a little bit differently and I am going to stick with my theme. I got the Colts six and a half points. I'm just, I'm just going full steam ahead on that one. And Jake is dumping water on my head virtually right now. Jake, you want it? You want it? I do. Big time. I want this one bad. Ah, man, dude. I got three on this episode alone. (laughs) All right. So I I have five over the past two. So I think I had one going into this and I lost (laughs) that one. So I'm not feeling good about accepting three on a week that I am full bore underdog city but I have the Colts cover getting six and a half and I'm just going to take it. I do think that they are going to keep it respectable and I don't think that it will slip away. I think it's going to end respectable. I don't necessarily think that they will win, but I think that it'll be respectable. I think that Carson Wentz, he's talented. Is he good consistently? Not really. But do I think that the Ravens defense is the Ravens defensive old? No. Do I think that they have a true ability to stop the run? No. So for that purpose, I think that Jonathan Taylor is going to have a really good game. I don't think that Marquise Hollywood Brown is going to wear his slippy gloves like Matt referenced. I think that he'll be able to catch the ball. So I like him in this one. Of course, I like Lamar Jackson and even Latavius Murray. I think that he's going to have a good game. So all in all, I really like the options here. Personally, I just feel like the Colts are one of those teams where people have written them off. Ravens have been keeping games close, and I think that it's going to be another one just like that in this one. But, Jake, I'll take you up on that other water bet. Let's go. Mike, you're either going to have a really awesome day or you're going to have a really terrible, not fun day Dude, on Sunday. <laughs> imagine how big brain I'm going to feel when I come out with like 11 or 12 of these right. I hope for your wallet you're right. Imagine how small brain I'm going to feel when I get like <laughs> You guys are just dueling for second and third place right now, so. That's cute, man. That's cute. I don't know. Check the (laughs) scores. All right, guys. That wraps up this week's slate of games. Just a quick note while I'm editing here, Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage both aren't making the trip over to England for the game against the Jets. So note that when betting that one. And also, here's just a general PSA from Matt and I. And our job here is like, you know, we're, we're taking stances. So for this, I'd like to make a point that a lot of these things, as when I say, like, I like the under, I like this spread, 
as I'm moving into this weekend and I'm looking to make some of my, some of my parlays closer to the actual weekend, when we get more practice reports, results, things like that, I'm going to be looking at doing a lot of alternate spreads on a lot of these games, because there's a lot of them that are just up in the air and I'm not comfortable with a lot. So that's just a point that I'd like to make as, as we're kind of walking through some of this, that's kind of been on my mind as I've been looking at all these games. So if there's something that you're not like purely comfortable with, look at buying up the spread or buying down the spread just a little bit, find some points to kind of keep things within a little bit more of a comfort zone there. And uh, just, yeah, play around a little bit with some of that. We already went over some round robin strategies. We got some teasers that you can work with. And this week just kind of seems like one big cluster. You know what? Yeah, while we're in the mode of PSAs, just go ahead and pick the games that you actually feel confident with. No one's holding a gun to your head and saying, you got to bet every game. Don't. You shouldn't. That's not the way. Professional bettors are looking to get it right 60% of the time. They're going to do that by picking the games that they feel really, really strongly about and avoiding the games that they think are too much of a toss-up. I personally have been running this podcast now for just a few weeks. And I can tell you that my picks are pretty much 50-50 because I'm forced to pick every single game. The bookmakers are really good at picking lines. You're not going to beat them on everything, but when you feel like you have a significant advantage, that's when you make your move. If you don't feel like you have a significant enough advantage, think about doing a teaser. Think about doing a round robin. Think about doing a parlay with that alternate spread, something that gives you that advantage against the book because not every line is going to go your way and not every game is going to go your way, but you want to do everything in your power to help yourself make the best decision, not just on pride of getting the most picks, but protecting your bankroll. So that's yeah. a great point of emphasis there, Matt. And I'm glad that you mentioned it because I've been meaning to as well. I just haven't. So can I jump around right. one last uh, little resource here that I've been looking at too, which has helped quite a bit is I highly recommend checking out this guy named Dr. David Chow. He was the professional team surgeon and doctor for the chargers for about 15 years. So obviously being on the chargers, he saw more injuries than any other NFL team that exists, right? Because that's what the chargers are good for. However, he has put together a Twitter account called pro football doc. And it's a great resource to check out because he gives all this info for free. So especially if there's a game where you're a little bit concerned and you're not sure how to lean, I like to use him as kind of a tiebreaker sometimes leading up to Sunday because he'll analyze every position on the field, both offensive, defensive on both sides, and give a judgment based on how many injuries are affecting that team. And it can be a good variable to kind of throw in when you're making those hard picks. You know, you've got the home field advantage, but then you also have the injury advantage. It's just a good resource sometimes to check out if you need a little bit of a coin flip to help you lean any, any given way. Sweet, sweet class. I hope you are taking notes, but let's go ahead and move on to the limitless universal best bets of the week. You've waited all episode long. Well, now it's time for the limitless universal best bets of the week. All right, guys, you need to take Washington football team plus two, Packers minus three, Cardinals minus five and a half, Bills plus two and a half, and take that Bills Chiefs over of 56 and a half. Bet them individually, bet them in a parlay, bet them in a teaser, whatever you feel most comfortable with. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Two Minute Drill Podcast Limitless Edition. We are so thankful that you listened to the podcast this long. If you did, I know you liked it. Share this with your friends, especially if they are into bets and fantasy. Share with your league mates, whoever is going to watch the games with you. All that good stuff. Leave a review if you haven't already. We would all greatly appreciate it. And with that being said, enjoy this week five slate of games in the NFL. I hope you are wildly successful with all of your bets. Follow the podcast if you haven't already so you never miss an episode. And we will see you next week.
Peace.